Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about regaining knee flexion range of motion after a period of immobilization. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am here up in Boston, champion PT and performance, answering your questions. Anything you want to talk about, PT, fitness, sports performance, career advice, we're here for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and you can fill out the form to ask us a question. Uh, we need some good questions in here. I mean, we're, you know, it's funny, I should... You know, we should we should have an episode of some crazy questions because we get some crazy questions, which which I I, I, I like the crazy questions sometimes, but <laughs> um, um, we we get a lot of questions. But keep them coming; we're here answering uh, for you. Uh, let's see, we had smaller crew today, which I like. This is good. We get get a little bit less in this batch, which is good. Maybe we'll have some good uh, uh, conversations. But let's see, we have Kevin Coughlin, Dwesh Podell, Lenny McCrina, and Dave Tilly here today answering your questions, Len. Uh, who do we have for students today? Do we only have four? Yeah. I feel like we had another one, or did they not arrive yet? I don't even know who we have for students right now. Uh, we well, got four students. I mean, no, we have a. <laughs> that's your. That's your. That's your job. That's my one. On the... My one job. Yeah, just realize it. It's early. Uh, we have uh, Sean Bean from UNLV. We have Grace Suggs, no relation to Terrell from Duke, and her classmate Aaliyah Penner from Duke as well. And we also have Dean Bonneau from George Washington University down in Maryland, Virginia, somewhere down there. I, I, I think like, I mean, it's, it's like having a favorite kid, right? You can't have like a favorite student, right? But if I had to say of, of the group of students we have right now, oh in boy. terms of like oh nick, nicknameable last names, this, this is the best, right? We got Beanie, Suggsy, um, like what do we got? But Penny, Beno. Uh, Pe- Penny and Benoey. <laughs> Benoey. Sorry. I mean, it's, it's such a, we got a good, it's a good group right now. But uh, anyway, all right. Who's up first asking today's questions? Beanie, what's up? Yep, I got it. All right. So Jason from Tennessee says, I'm working with a medial meniscus repair that is eight weeks out of surgery. The surgeon kept him in a straight leg brace for six weeks. No PT was done during this time. He shows up with limited flexion and extension lag, swelling throughout the knee, very weak quad and hip flexor. I've been struggling to get flexion back and keep it. I have tried everything in the book from heel slides, wall slides, manually pushing, and even stationary bike. I don't have a mechanical knee flexion device. Is there anything else that may work, or is this a possible setup for a surgical manipulation? 
Nice. Great job, Beanie. I like it. Uh, Jason, good question. I like how he throws out, he knows, he probably listens to the, the podcast a little bit, so he's he's going to just throw out that he doesn't have a mechanical knee flexion device because he knows when he's going to say that. So that's perfect. <laughs> very, very smart, Jason, on your end. I like that. Um, yeah, man, this is, a, this is a bummer one, right? So, um, you know, it sounds like pretty much any complication that you think you may have from a mobilization, you know, which is loss of motion, you know, probably like, you know, not facilitating a good healing environment, still swollen, poor muscle control, pretty much like everything you could possibly have has happened to this person. Right. Um, and that really stinks. I, I wonder how this person looked going into surgery. That's kind of one of the first things I think of, you know, which is, probably irrelevant to this conversation right for jason right because we are where we are but i wonder if this person went into surgery behind the gun a little bit too um you know which is you know a deeper conversation but yeah th this is the one um why don't, why don't we start with this lenny i feel like you you know you talk to people on twitter about this topic a little bit like how common is this that we're we're, we're seeing this, like I, I get sometimes like some limitations in range of motion and weight bearing, but are we still seeing this a good amount throughout the country? I mean, Jason's in Tennessee. We don't know if this is, you know, Nashville versus like in, you know, a little bit right. more remote area. I, how common is this that we're seeing this? I think it's more common than we like to believe. I think we got a little spoiled because we have doctors that we've worked with in the past and even currently that trust us and want to get people in, you know, pretty quickly. I think a lot of doctors are still hesitant to send people early on because they want that healing process to occur. They may have had a bad experience previously with a patient or a PT that has kind of, you know, ruined a, uh, a surgery of theirs. And so they just say, you know what, let me lock you in. We'll get the motion back eventually, but let's let this meniscus heal and deal with the ramifications down the road, which the ramifications are atrophy, swelling, pain, loss of motion, uh, loss of function. I mean, it's just disastrous. So, uh, yeah, that's some of my, uh, my goals on social media is to advocate for early motion after a lot of these surgeries, including a rotator cuff and ACL with a meniscus repair. So yeah, it stinks for this person, but it, there is hope. I, you know, and I guess we don't know like this, we don't know the patient, right? Maybe this patient right. is somebody with, you know, that the surgeon is intentionally saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to sacrifice, uh, right. maybe a little bit of mobility to make sure that the repair is there. Maybe the person's functional goals aren't, you know, super high, who knows. Right? right. Um, so we don't know that. We also don't know how bad the knee was on the inside, right? Only the doc knows. So, you know, I try to give the docs a benefit of the doubt. Sometimes anytime <laughs> I see like a big, like, you know, a very conservative, cautious type, um, you know, script or protocol from a physician, I tend to like take a step back and think, and if we know them, reach out and be like, Whoa, did something bad happen here? <laughs> you know, like, right. like, was there, was there something, was there something, you know, on the inside of the knee that you thought that meniscus repair was really bad or something like that. So, um, yeah, so I like it. Um, all right. So I still think there's sorry. very few instances though, that you have to immobilize somebody for six weeks. I can see maybe a week, maybe two, maybe if we want to really be conservative, that first post-op recheck, like, okay, two weeks of heal, get the stitches out. Now go to PT, but for six weeks, that's pretty aggressive to lock somebody down in a, in a mobilized position and that, per, that poor person like at home, just not knowing what's right, what's wrong, what to do. And now they have to go to PT and they'll probably be expected to start running in six weeks because the protocol says to run at 12 weeks. 
you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to get mad right now. Cause like I, for some, I got like, I feel like my heart rate just went up a little bit for a second here, but like, like, like what, what, what do you think the chances are though, that keeping this person home for eight weeks by themselves, what are the chances are that they do either too much or too little? Right. And too right. much is probably quite like that. Maybe that's why he's all swollen is he's done nothing appropriate, right. but is limping right. around the house, like trying right. to like do his ADLs and stuff like that, right. which is why wouldn't you? I don't, especially right. if you're not in a lot of pain. So sometimes yeah. even just getting in with therapy to be like a little bit of a guide, like, Hey, you know, Ooh. slow down or, Oh wait, you're doing, you're doing what? Like, cause patients come up with the craziest things like, Oh, I didn't realize I couldn't do that. Right. right? Well, like, yeah, no, of course you can't do that. Um, you know, so, right. uh, you know, so super yep. interesting, you know, again, short-sighted, I think again, on the physicians that they, not only do they, you know, they're trying to protect them against doing too much, but they don't see us as a guide. Sometimes I think like we could guide this process a little bit more smooth. But anyway, right. let's get back right. to what Jason, <laughs> Jason doesn't really care about our feelings right now. Jason cares about <laughs> the answer to his dang question. So, um, and that's about as close to an explicit episode as we've had right there, which is pretty good as the students know it's hard for us. Right. So it's pretty good to go. We're almost 300 episodes without an explicit thing, but all right, Dave, what, 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 what do you, why don't you start off here? What, what, what do we do with this person right now? Cause that's the real dilemma we're in. What do we do? Yeah, I think um, in this situation, I can, I can. It's not apples to apples with a couple of patients that I have right now, but it's very similar. So ACL pretty involved meniscus injury when the ACL was torn. So it's it's a big big limiter to why he couldn't start motion pretty aggressively pretty early because it was just it hurt a ton. So it's not like the exact same thing. But Dean and I have been working with him, and I think when he first came to us, his like his mindset was like motion. I got to do motion, real like real aggressive motion all the time, get my motion back because extension was was okay, which I know is not the situation here. But his flexion, he was really like. 30 degrees, like not even 30 degrees. He's like, I got to push it. I got to push it. And he was with somebody else who is not, not malintentioned, but was like, yeah, we got to get that back. And so for me, from my point of view, I was like, listen, for one, what you do for 20 minutes here with me is nothing compared to what you do the other 23, whatever hours of the day. You know, that's more important that you get into a rhythm and a consistent program of trying to get, you know, not just uh, swelling down, but also motion, all that kind of stuff. So that was my first big educational point was like, listen, it's not about going hard in one session. It's consistency over intensity. That's how you get even small gains of range of motion. But two, more so for me is when we measured his knee, when we looked at his knee, it was really puffy, really angry. It was swollen. It like, was really, really like uh, a lot of fluid inside of it. But also his patellar mobility was very, very poor, I think, because of that stiffness because the capsule was maybe irritable. So not only could he not bend comfortably, but his tibia or sorry, his tibiofemoral joint was like not moving because his patellofemoral joint was just like really, really stuck. So I was like, listen, man. Let's just try to get the swelling down. Let's wear a knee sleeve. Let's get your leg up quite a bit. You're not working right now. You have someone who can help you out. Let's try to get the patellar mobility up and down. We like did a lot of modalities to help with that heat, whatever. I taught him how to mobilize his own patella. And I think for me, it was like, let's just do these very small things. Set a timer on your phone every two hours. Give me 10 reps of this and 10 reps of a patellar stuff and a little quad, like quad straight leg raise type work to try to see if we can help that motion out. And within two weeks, he gained probably you know 20 to 30 degrees of motion of flexion not because of all the stuff we were going crazy on, because I think we were just educating him on basic things to do on his own every single day. So that would be my first big piece of advice is, is maybe this is a situation where manipulation is, is going to be needed because of you know scar tissue or whatever, but give it a healthy dose of education and listen, just do basic things consistently and get the need to calm down. And maybe that will make things more comfortable and, and a little bit less discomfort when he's trying to range and range. I like that. And I think the big message I got out of you there too, Dave, was like maybe to be a little patient 
right? Is that, you know, you know, we get this person at week eight and then, you know, we all have that little freak out experience where we're like, whoa, they're super behind. I gotta, I gotta push, I gotta push to catch up, but, you know, be a little patient, I think, you know, could be, you know, very critical for that. So uh, what do you think, Kev, you got anything to add to Dave? I mean, obviously Dave, I think covered that really well, but any, anything else like you'd, you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think Dave definitely hit on um, a lot of the things I was thinking, especially in terms of like doing the frequent motion throughout the day. Um, but I wonder too, if this person, if there is still a lot of pain, if when they're at home, they're just sitting with their leg in extension all day. And I think sometimes you have to find out like what position are they putting themselves in and how can we implement something like knee flexion exercises throughout the day to prevent that extension stiffness. Cause I think people are afraid of, of bending their knee when it hurts. So that's probably contributing to stiffness as well. Yeah, I like that. They, they find that comfort zone, right? And that comfort zone is usually what, like, give or take 20, you know, maybe 30 degrees of knee flexion, you know, especially if they're on the couch and the weight of their butt kind of sinks into the cushion and stuff like that. So um, I, I, I I would agree. I like that. Um, anything, you know, Len, Dewesh, you guys, you know, you know, Dewey, you know, in the gym, we often, you know, incorporate, you know, we work on optimizing movement quite a bit with some of our people, you know, like, you know, if you have somebody that's, you know, a little bit, you know, stuck with their motion, you know, you know, what, what do you do in the gym that like maybe could help facilitate that a little bit? I, you know, maybe not somebody that's eight weeks out, but maybe we can apply some of those principles to this person. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't think I have anything specific for this particular person, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think the, the general concept of getting motion or improving motion, let's say, right. Cause I'm not, I'm not in the realm of gaining motion back after surgery, but <laughs> improving, improving motion, you know, we still kind of tackle it with that frequency over intensity mentality, first of all, right. Like our, our goal whenever we're trying to do stretches and mobility stuff in the gym is not to take them to like an eight out of 10 pain or like, you know, like mash tissues with lacrosse balls that, you know, we hear people doing all the time. Like that's only going to make someone a little bit more sympathetic and make them even guard up a little bit more. So, you know, we definitely don't tend to go that route. Uh, we go a little bit more calculated, you know, we'll do some, some versions of, um, you know, longer holds for stretches. We do some sort of like moves back and forth. Um, and then we make sure we add a little bit of loading and motor control on top of it. Right? I think that's the biggest thing to not forget, at least from a, from a healthy individual perspective is if we're not loading the tissue, if we're not, you know, actively doing reps in that range of motion that we're actually trying to achieve and doing plenty of it over the course of the weeks and, and months, we're not really going to make that motion stick. So, you know, it might be a mobility gain for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, but, you know, if we're not actually providing any load, that's not going to stick around at all. So. Yeah. And I, I like how you and Kevin kind of put together, like Kevin, you know, had some, you know, good thoughts on maybe like if they're doing too little, I think Dewey, you, you even had some thoughts on if they're doing too much, right? And we see that all the time. If you were to Google, like how to gain mobility, you're going to do probably some aggressive stuff, maybe some, you know, you know, aggressive, you know, foam rolling or something, something that may be not appropriate for that person at the time. So it's, it's finding that happy medium. You know, I, I mean, I, I think the only thing I'd add to this is that um, and I think this, this syncs well with kind of what Dave was saying too, a little bit here was that, 
Um, I wonder if, you know, Jason in Tennessee, I wonder if like when the person comes in front of you, you look at them, you look at them and it's eight weeks and they're behind in their range of motion. And that is your primary focus because you want to get that motion caught up. You want them to be a little bit better. And you do know it's going to get harder and harder over time to get that. Um, so I like that motion. But one thing I think sometimes we take for granted when we read protocols is that the steps before that were probably very critical to get them to the range of motion we wanted at week eight. Right. And I think this might be where patience comes in a little bit here, but like if you don't work on the swelling and you don't work on the pain control and you don't work on the the basics of patellar mobility and even soft tissue mobility around the knee at this point, um, if you don't do that, I think it's, it's going to probably be harder to get that motion over time. So all those exercises we weren't allowed to do because they weren't in physical therapy for the first, you know, six to eight weeks. I think you still need to go through that process and just say like, okay, we may a little bit behind with range of motion, but just forcing it on top of that, I think sometimes maybe, maybe challenging. And to kind of add to what, you know, Dewey said a little bit, and I know Lenny thinks this way here too, but like not contracting the quad for that long plays a big part in not allowing patellar mobility and getting out of that, that, um, you know, normal motion of the patellofemoral joint to, to unlock that knee flexion range of motion. So being able to engage the quad, I think is important too. So like Dewey said, you know, throw some exercise on top of that. Make sure we're still doing quad sets and straight leg raises. It seems so basic, right? But that actually helps with patellar mobility, right? So it's not that we're just doing it for neuromuscular control. It's kind of like putting it all together, right? So I think that's, you know, you know, for summary for Jason, I think that's kind of the big thing is, is, you know, it is what it is if you get the surgeon sending him that late. Um, I guess resist the urge to rush it if their knee's not ready. Some people eight weeks out, their knee will be ready to be pushed if they're behind. But this person kind of feels like we need to take a step back, control the knee, like Dave said, right? Make sure that they're doing the right things around the house, like Kevin and Dewesh kind of said, and then really kind of focus on getting back to that range of motion in a week or two when that knee is feeling a little bit better. And I think you're going to probably have some better results, right? Make sense? So good question, Jason. Really appreciate that one. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, that's helpful to everybody. If you have a question like that, again, head to micronaldcom click on that podcast link, and you can fill out the form to ask us your own question and be sure to head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe. So you get our next episode and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.